0: Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the hijinks. I've got a trig midterm tomorrow and I'm being chased by Guido the killer pimp. The
1: opportunities. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slide. And the wisdom. Life moves
0: pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s.
2: Can you say stuck in the 80s?
1: Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, we revisit an old friend. It's our interview with Cindy Lauper.
3: Oh, oh,
1: with me, as always, my good friend, Mr. Sean Daly. Yes. No. No wacky nickname today. When Cindy Lopper's in the house, no additional wackiness required.
2: I've been told that before. Then they never call.
1: But we do need body armor. Yeah. As you're, as you're about to find Cindy, out, Cindy. Cindy. Uh, a little known fact. Real name. Cindy Lopper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cindy. Cynthia Ann Stephanie Lopper. Uh, Fifty-seven years old. Yeah. Uh, New York native. New York. She still got that cute accent, which you're about to see. I remark upon. Trying to subtly seduce Miss Lauper, and it doesn't
1: really work. They say there's something about New Yorkers. They always say, you know, you either love them or you hate them. Cindy Lauper falls in that category, you know, and she's beloved among. I
0: love her, and she hates me, though. That's the way it's
1: about to work. She's She's sort of indifferent about me.
0: Yeah. You were just the other guy in the yeah, room, but like, she set her phasers on stun. Yeah, yeah. Wow, nerd. I'm the nerd. I just did a Star Trek. Did I say that right? Set yeah. Set phasers on stun? Yeah, so uh, we interviewed Cyndi Lauper. We were really excited about it. I had just inter- uh, reviewed her brand new album, Memphis Blues, which I loved, and I gush. It's not even ass-kissing. I gushed to Cyndi Lauper that I gave it a big, fat A, and I win, uh, as you're about to say, I win a little uh, uh, a bit of uh, you know favor in return. But she's still pretty down on me. Um, but her, the album is fantastic, and she's coming to Ruth Eckerd Hall in Clearwater, Florida on August 4th. Will you be there, Steve Spears? I will not. Well, uh, as she explains, uh, it's primi- primarily a blues show. Uh, she does two encores, and then you get some of the hits. Yeah. You do not get Shebop. That's sad. It's very I love that. I love that. Shebop, I mean, uh, she reaches out to the young women of the world about their onanistic... Fantasies, exactly. you like that, onanistic? Yeah, yeah.
1: We'll, well play it. The um, here's my problem with Cindy Lauper. I mean, I grant every artist the freedom to go and do these vanity projects, and she believes, for whatever reason, that um, you know, this is an album that means a lot to her and that it's important to her career. She mentions that she wanted to do it eight years ago. Um, she she says that like, it's it's really the the source of all the music that. Would eventually come to her in the '80s. Um, I would almost argue that that's not exactly true. Before the '80s, Cindy was known for being in a band called Blue Angel, which was a rockabilly group. I would rockabilly. say, where's your rockabilly al- album?
0: Here's the thing with Cindy Lauper: she, um, as you call them, Vanny projects, which I think is a little, it's a little snotty on your part, but she has this fantastic voice. Okay, I think she's a legitimate. Uh, artist, I think she has this fantastic uh vocal range. She can go that cupid dial uh, curl on some notes, and then she can really wail so she 's done a standards album she 's done this blues album she did an electronica dance album the last album before ago. this was like
1: a was like a Madonna retreat album. I hated it
0: yeah and, well she has like all these uh different sounds and I like that she 's kind of a restless uh artistic spirit you know so i 'll give her that. However, she's also, as we're about to find out, extremely self serious, and um, I've heard uh, from, a duff, uh, from a few other music critics that it can go either way. Either she, uh, Cindy Lauper, loves you or she doesn't like you. If you get in her cranky wheelhouse, as we're about to do, you know she gets a little feisty about things because she's got a lot of other things going on. She's an advocate for um, gay lesbian rights. I probably said that wrong. That'll probably piss her off, too. Uh, she's very, very outspoken. She was just on Celebrity Apprentice. She's about to do a new reality show. And mainly, those are platforms, God forbid, I say for her ideas, but for her beliefs. And so she did uh, Apprentice mainly just to get out um, what she feels about the persecution yeah. of, of gay people in America. So uh, we kinda, she's very into that. We kind of want to be playful. She doesn't. However, my good man. To get us in the mood, before we get to this coveted interview, why don't we do like a top five Cyndi Lauper songs of the 80s? How do you feel about that? Let it be done.
3: Number four.
1: I Drove All Night was a big hit for Cindy in 1989. I like her version. I don't know if I like it
0: as the, uh, as much as the original Roy Orbison version, but I like it a lot better than the Celine Dion. A lot better. Yeah, I don't a like the Celine better. Dion very much at all. John Waite did this. Our good friend John Waite, a friend of Stuck in the 80s. I did not know that. He didn't release it, so <gasps> I'll never... Continue. Next time we talk to him, we'll hang. On, we'll ask him why. Say, hey, last question, John. Drove all night. But she wails on this. Yeah. She can sing. Really, her range is incredible. But I don't think she gets a lot of credit for for being a a great singer.
1: And she is. She is. Are you ready for the continuation? Yes.
0: Number four.
1: The infamous she Uh
0: I like any song about masturbation. <laughs> How
1: many songs are there about masturbation? Really? I
0: Touch Myself,
1: Darling Nikki. Wow. You kind of got the, really on the edge of your tongue I there. know.
0: Well, I told you I like songs about pleasure. myself. Pretty much anything myself.
1: by Elvis. <laughs> I'll shook up. <laughs> uh, you know, Cindy was- is Stroke, th- The Stroke. Which isn't is it really?
0: It's about stroking his ego, but I mean, come on, it's also it can be read as just stroking my baloney.
1: Sad thing was when when stroke came out, I had no idea what masturbation or ego was. What? Yeah, I was, I was, you I was, didn't, come on, so you were fifteen. Lad. I was a wee little lad. How, little old, were How old were
0: you when you first? God, stroke uh,
1: was oh when I when first, you first discovered yourself? I've told this story numerous times. Because it happened with you in the PJs, right? When you're watching.
0: Dynasty. It was yeah. Pamela Sue Martin as Fallon in Dynasty, and she was smoking a joint by a fountain. I'm like, whoa, what is this, my friend?
1: And I went upstairs and kind of, yeah. God, I don't, I don't remember. I know it was a wet dream, and I think, oh really? And it was on a family vacation. Ooh, god, awesome. So you have that that moment of waking up in the morning and, and just being like, why am I? Why is everything sticking together? I never had a wet dream. There's still time. <laughs> <laughs> the uh Cindy Lauper is notoriously uh vague when she was asked about this song in the eighties because she did not want to kind of come out and say yes, it's about masturbation. She kind of implied that it was uh she wanted little girls to think the song was about dancing and that they would understand the real meaning of the song as they got older. So hence, because she sort of spun it that way, it got its airplay. And yet,
0: it was really uh, about our universal need to whack it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Number three. is
1: Time after time, it's kind of a mainstream pick for this top five. Yeah,
0: list. yeah. You like this because you're a, a big giant wuss. Yeah, I'm not crazy about this one, but you like. I can see you cuddling with one of your your Spearsettes. You whisper to them. Time
1: after time. You know, ever since you started the spearset talk, my action has dried up.
0: I see. I saw
1: somebody. Mission accomplished daily. Oh, shut up. They're all somebody- yours.
0: I saw you try Enjoy to get to Vegas.
1: Sh- I'm going to be sitting home alone. No, you're
0: not. You're going to be out there time, with me.
1: Time after
0: time. <laughs> time, time after time. time. You started the Seanettes. Yeah. Somebody Facebooked me uh, a message. Bloop, bloop. Spears,
1: you just accused me of being a Seanette. Like that son of a bitch. It's, it's like, all right. I'm telling you. You dried it up for me. Thanks. You're the opposite of a wingman.
0: Oh, that is not even true. I'm the. You know what? I'm the greatest wingman.
1: I drop. <laughs> How do you explain then the fact that everyone went running for cover?
0: Dude, you, you as a wingman, we're going to be sitting there. If I were in, in in a position to, you know, to 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 score or to woo, you know, and you would seriously, you would sit there and, and drop little bombs on me. No, I wouldn't. You even, you, the time way you said that, time. and I, you know what, it's, it's, it's like it is in life, too, like, I'm always boosting you up, and you're cutting me down, you're like, you got my Achilles no, right there. No. See, you, the way you're saying it, everybody knows. There's even a letter about this later. Yeah, we'll see. Time after
1: time. I love it. Nice video. Really?
0: You should bring your, like, ukulele to Vegas, and you'll have, like, two or three Spearsettes, you know, <laughs> and you just <laughs> go to the corner, True. and you're like, you pluck out time after time. And then I crank out a Hooters tune.
1: Lying there.
0: <laughs> and they're all sitting there crying. Lighters. They have mustaches, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's next? Uh, here we go.
3: Number two, money.
1: It for me daily.
0: Money changes everything. You know what? This could have been number one for me. Could have been number one for me. Written by the great Tom Gray, who's friends with our own John Fleming, the performance arts critic here at the St. Pete Times. Great tune. My favorite tune on "She's So Unusual," probably.
1: Really? Yes. That's uh, that's heavy.
0: High praise. High praise.
1: A lot of people are probably anticipating this number one pick. They probably think they know exactly what song we're going to we play. We have
0: a curveball in store. But we mean this. We, we mean really this. really do. You ready? Yeah. Give it to them.
3: Number one.
0: Rage. We like Girls Just Want to Have Fun. It's fine. It's an anthem of the 80s. Yeah, it's too obvious. Yeah. In fact, I don't even think I have a lot of Cindy Lauper on my iPod. Girls Just Want to Have Fun isn't even on there. That's on mine.
1: It's on mine. Uh, Don't doubt that. Goonies. This is like my. Good (laughs) love
3: for you is good love. Uh, me. Don't is, cut me off no, no, when no, 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 no. I'm. This is I'm my flowing.
1: olive branch. This is my olive branch to the Goonie fans out there who've who've ridiculed me for five. Have years. Have you watched it yet? No. Did you
0: own it? I was at friggin' Walmart with you when you bought it. No, it's still in the wrapper. You, you have nothing better to do? I know. You, except sit there and lick your cat's balls <laughs> time after time. <laughs> Just turn the light on and off like Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction.
1: <laughs> no, this is. I promise. Okay, here. You know, I, I made a promise about the facial hair before Vegas. I will watch the Goonies before Vegas. Just it's fun. I know. It's good. It's a kid's flick. So what? I don't know. It's a good kid's flick. At least it's not Stand By Me. Ugh!
0: Don't make me ever watch that oh, again. If I have to hear your dumbass boring theory <laughs> about how you don't like <laughs> 80s movies that were set in other decades. When's the set? Set in the 80s? Yes, it's set in the 80s. Uh. It is so purely 80s, you're going to love it. Okay. i <laughs> take your word so for you it. So there you go. Our top five. I like our top five. I know. You
1: know what? And I, I was this close to asking Cindy, hey... It's the 25th anniversary of Goonies. Would you please play? Go- you know, Goonies are good enough, and I could just tell I was going to get smacked down if I did. You know, and, I, and she's notoriously not liked this song. Has not played it very much live. I know she refused to play it live after '86. It was like it was like 20 years after that till finally she got tired of the fans screaming for it at her live shows, and she started playing it again. But on this tour, no. Wow. Right. That's what, I'm and why almost, going. you almost—you've
0: put this number one almost despite Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Lopper. Yeah. Well, it's funny uh, as we're we're about to play the interview now, and you and I had about another five questions we wanted to ask her about. Um, she didn't play Live Aid because she was under the weather, but she was on um, We Are the World. We right. wanted To ask yeah. her about that, we wanted to ask her about. She has a Barbie doll. There's a Cindy Lauper Barbie doll, and they were all kind of rather playful questions, but. As you're about to see, she's not in a playful mood. Are you ready, my
1: friend? Here you go. The Cyndi Lauper interview.
0: Hi, Cyndi, you there?
2: Yeah, now you still got a bad connection, but this is the best I can do. Okay.
0: Hey, this is Sean Daly, the music critic at the St. Pete Times. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I love hearing your voice. You have the greatest voice of all time. Okay. <laughs> and, and with me is uh, Steve Spears. He's a uh, uh, entertainment editor at TampaBay.com. And you are coming to Ruth Eckerd Hall in Clearwater on August fourth. Yes, I am. And w- we love that. And also, I'm not. I love ju- that. <laughs> I'm not just kissing your ass, but I reviewed Memphis Blues and I gave it a big fat A. I think it's brilliant.
2: Oh, thank you. You know, it seemed like the right time to do this. You know, everybody's kind of having a hard time. You know, you read the news, seems like the blues, and it seemed like the perfect time. I wanted to make it eight years ago, and, um, you know, this was the first that I was able to do it. And so I'm so appreciative that I was able to. I think nothing is by accident. I went to Memphis because I wanted it to be legit, and the players that are on there are extraordinary. And it's good to shine a light on Memphis. It's a wonderful music City, It was a place where people, you know, the blues started in Mississippi and it came up into Memphis. People came and traveled to Memphis, you know, looking for a gig or a record deal. And so, you know, it's, it's a really, for somebody like me, who the blues is really based on everything I've ever sung in my life, because everything, you know, aside from minstrel and gospel the blues was the beginning of it you know singing this um this music is kind of like going home
0: You generate real heat with Charlie Musselwhite, with Alan Toussaint. You have Johnny Lang on there, but I love on early in the morning you and B.B., right? What was oh my the- God!
2: I mean, what are the chances in your life that that would happen? I always wanted, you know, I wanted to. I when I was going to do the blues record, I wanted to make this um, this record. So I, um, you know, I did court him, but I, um, I, I wanted to make sure it was legit and I wanted I didn't want to just do any blues record and for me that meant to go to a place where you could still feel the energy of those people when they started I mean they were the first rockers right so I um it's like Muddy Waters said you know blues had a baby and it's called rock and roll <laughs> yeah
1: Cindy, when you do a live show these days, how do you switch gears from from a hardcore blues song to, to your 80s pop goodness?
2: Uh, I don't. Uh, these shows are mainly blues shows, and I do my old songs at the end, and I don't switch. I, uh, I do blues versions ah. of girls and... Um, Change a whole. Actually, well, I mean, I guess it's kind of energetic. But you know, even the blues songs that I'm doing aren't. Um, they're kind of uplifting. They're not. It's not a a slow set.
0: You know, Cindy, you're in you're in the news a lot these days, and I, I think that's great for pop culture that uh, that uh, you're, you're omnipresent. You you were in Celebrity Apprentice, and I uh,
2: did that to get um, to get wegiveadam.org dot org off the ground. Yeah and to uh, to uh, raise awareness for the True Colors Fund and also uh, to raise awareness um, for the LGBT struggle for civil rights. You know, gays in America, are people who do not have civil rights in our country. Yeah. It's kind of scary when a group of people, when you can single out a group of people, once you start singling out a group of people, you're on your way. Because if you can single out one group of people, you can single out another group of people. So you just got to be careful where you are standing when people get singled out. It's not a good idea in our country. So, you know, I think it's the more education that you can give people through, you know, the, uh, the Internet where people can talk to people. And, you know, when I grew up, I grew up in the women's consciousness era where you'd sit around and listen to other women talk. And those women and their experiences I learned from. And it wasn't dogma being thrown at me. It was just human experience. And I think that humans listening to other human experiences is the best way to share and understand the real issues that are at stake here in our country.
0: You know, I read somewhere that uh, you were talking with maybe Mark Burnett about doing a reality show. Is this is, is the is the catalyst for that to to you know continue the conversation about education and things like that?
2: Um, that's you know, the reality show started happening before, um, before. Uh, I had uh before I had gone on the apprentice I had met with um I had met with um the mark Burnett people before that I was pitching um a true colors thing to them and uh I wanted to try and um you know do something to help the country um, at that point maybe fill the food cabinets, you know, around the country because people were having a tough time. And anyway, that didn't work out. So the next thing they said to me, listen, and if you care about the true colors thing, why don't you do the, you know, Celebrity Apprentice and you can raise awareness and that, you know, would help. So I did that. And, um you know, it was a, a journey. It was a journey, you know.
3: You're true.
0: It seems like you're the kind of person that doesn't take a lot of BS, and I just see a show like that as maybe there's a lot of artifice going on. So when I first saw that you were on there, I mean, I love seeing you. I'm a fan, but at the same time, I'm like Cindy Lauper on The Celebrity Apprentice. But then when I heard your reasoning behind it, it made sense. It's a huge platform, you know, yeah. for you to get your ideas across.
2: Could you imagine? Not my ideas. It's not my ideas. It's what's going on. It's not my ideas, sweetie. It's a reality. Do you know gay people in your life? Do you have a gay cousin, a gay brother, or a gay sister, or, or an aunt, an uncle? You're part of our family. These are people we know and work with, and we're allowing them to be discriminated against in a big way. And that isn't good in our country, no matter what dogma you're throwing at people. Mm. It's not about my opinion. It's about what's going on. So it was a great platform to say, hey, (laughs) there's a large group of Americans in our country are not afforded civil rights, and that's the gay community. And I got to say that on national TV, and that's important.
1: It is important.
2: It's not my opinion or my thoughts. It's a reality. Talk to somebody, sweetie. Talk to your friends. He's... Let them talk to you and tell tell you what goes on in their life because of this discrimination. The... And it's only going to get worse. Not just this, but discriminating the whole Arizona thing. It's only going oh, to get worse because it's a smokescreen. It's what they do every time there's a problem. Let's find scape- uh, scapegoats. Let's find them. Let's stir it up. You know, it always turns into bringing out the worst in people. Not the best. We want to work on getting the best and bringing out the best of people. You know, human experience. That's very important, you know. That's what I, even my music is about that. The whole idea of doing the blues record now is because um, I am, I, I thought, you know, you read the news, you see the blues. But the best part of the blues is uplifting. And that's what you want. You want to uplift people. You want to, you know, with humor. These blues songs were written by people who were oppressed. But yet, they made music that was uplifting. And that's the part you want to always focus on, the uplifting part.
1: Hey, Cindy, we can't wait uh, to see you here in Clearwater on August 4th at Ruth Eckert. It's going to be a hell of a night.
2: Well... It's a wonderful band. It's a lot of energy. It's, um, in the music, I think the music is really great music. And it's the root of everything. And yes, at the end, they do the old songs, So it's not like, you know, but he, he, you know, if I did the same thing every year, it would be a drag.
1: You know? <laughs> not to us, not to us, it wouldn't be. Hey, we appreciate your time. We hope you uh, have a great show down here in Clearwater.
2: Oh,
0: Thank you,
2: sweetie. All right, All thanks,
3: right. Cindy. Okay. Bye.
0: So there it is. Interesting. You think she belittles me. But I think, we're, you know, I think we're just getting along. It's funny. I got to let you guys in. I think I've talked about uh, this before, but Steve and I obviously sit in different rooms in the recording studio. And when Cindy and Huey Lewis as well, um, when they start to get a little taciturn and cranky, my reaction is to cover up the microphone and start laughing. Do I not start laughing? Yeah, yeah. I laugh and smile because I don't care. They don't like me. I mean, it makes for good radio, for lack of a better word. Spearsy though gets a look on his face where you're like you're really unsure. You're a little worried, you're like that's just our natures. And I'm like, no, this is great that she's getting pissed off. You don't want the same monotone, you know, interview. Like we've actually we, 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 we poked the hornet's nest.
1: Yeah, I mean but keep in mind too, we come from different perspectives. You're a journalist you are a music journalist. I am an eighties fan. So you're interviewing you're her a as jerk. a journalist. You're I am a journalist. a journalist, but I'm primarily an 80s. So I'm, I'm asking fan questions. You're asking journalism questions. So when, when, one of, when one of my idols kind of turns so surly, I get a little upset. And no,
0: I, I'm with you on that. I was a little bummed because I really like this album. I really like Cindy Lauper a lot. If you read my review of, of Memphis Blues, I gush about her. I really did give it an A. I mean, I absolutely love her as an artist, as a person. And so when you kind of have a bad interview or you don't have a love connection, it dings you a little bit. That said, it makes for kind of entertaining listening when someone has that kind
1: of Yeah, and I wouldn't wouldn't say this is one of our – it's definitely not one of our top five interviews. It's probably not in our bottom five either.
0: No, 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 no. I don't think it's Bonfire. I mean, she was, um, she wasn't giving us real specifics. Sometimes people get really specific and that makes a good interview. Yeah. When they give you like specific stories or, or, you know, or that Kenny Loggins interview I remember was great or the Brian Johnson interview where he really gets down dirty, tells yeah. some great stories, yeah. you know, and, and that didn't happen. So.
1: She didn't tell us anything we didn't already know.
0: Kind of, yeah. And she has an adorable voice and she kind of, you know, it gets off to a horrible start because I'm just, I just want to like pinch her. She's so cute. And she's like, okay, like, come on. You've never heard that before. People talk about your voice all the time.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Anyway, so I'm a little blue right now, but I wonder what could make me feel better.
1: I think I know. The seggies. Seggies. Ah, the mystical refrain that is, Reader Mailbag. And, um, I mean, we got some interesting mail this week.
0: Yeah, we got some. You're going to read the second one. Which I never did. second do. letter. Yeah, but it's so, oh my God, it's like your doppelganger wrote in. <laughs> so funny. I mean, this guy is such, he's a spearzet. But first of all, we have a fun letter from Jesus Donkey, who always has something interesting to say. And Jesus Donkey <clears throat> says, hey guys, just finished listening to your Live Aid show. Wow. What a podcast. And indeed, Steve, you and I thought that was one of our best. It's probably top five. Uh, Uh, You're such a Eeyore. It's really good. And we love Tom Jones. Tom Jones should be in in here every other show. Um, Jesus Donkey continues. I'm not going to say it was the best podcast ever, but content, production, memorable lines, this had it all. Two of my favorite moments are when you, Jones and Daly, are discussing Queen's performance of Radio Gaga, and the subtle sound of the song are in the background, and then at the end of the discussion, bam, we hear Freddie Mercury leading a Wembley nation in a chant of Radio Gaga. Chills still go up my spine. As someone who has produced radio shows myself, just know your work is appreciated. That's a very nice thing to say. You are a hell of a producer. I think that's your future, is an audio (laughs) production.
1: Well, that's a nice thing I hear for me commercials to say. for it all the time on the radio. Evidently I can make quite a living that way.
0: I think you should get into that. That's mm-hmm. your bread and butter, baby. Alright. You know what? Maybe you should start listening to me. I give good advice. Anyway, Jesus Donkey continues. My second favorite <laughs> moment showed me a dark side of Spearsy that only a John Oates mustache would bring out. Steve was trying to make a point about Phil Collins and his reason and, and Phil's reason behind the transatlantic performance. And daily is still trying to banter. Steve lets us into a seldom seen, but I'm sure all too real Spears Daily moment. You bluntly tell him, Daily, let me finish my point yelling at me like Cindy Lauper. Silence crashes through the room as you make your strong yet completely incorrect view on Phil. That's very funny. In all the years of listening to the podcast, I've always suspected that Steve was like the Ike Turner to Daly's Tina Turner. The moment gave me a, a feel for the true Spearsy Daly dynamic. <laughs> Side note if I had the opportunity to have a three way with a one legged woman, I would want Daly over you, Spearsy. I, would, I think he'd make the most of it while you would bitch and moan about how it reminded you of some girl that broke your heart. Jesus
1: Donkey. That is a hell of a letter. <laughs> why does it have to be a one-legged woman?
0: I don't know why she's one-legged, but I, I like all women. I do, too. You know? But
1: I just, you know, why does Jesus Donkey have to go there?
0: Um, I'm not sure, but I'm glad he did. And, and, and-, and Not that I want to have a three-way with Jesus Donkey. I'm sure it'd be a lot of
1: fun. Uh, you know, and to be honest, there's no, there's no violence here. It's stuck in the 80s. no You one's, have beaten me a few times. The only beating that goes around here is our own monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's Ike no... Ike
0: Turner, so the Iron Fist, the Money Man, the brains behind it, and um, Tina Turner, the talent, the beauty, and the legs, the hairless games, long yeah, hairless games, Actually, as I got you know, those. come to
1: think of it. It kind of makes sense, you know? Except for the money part.
0: Oh. Uh, Money changes everything. You <laughs> yeah. just can't handle it. I make three times as much. I know. Oh, burr, 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 burr. Oh, you bastard. All right. Are you ready? Our next letter is from Martin C. Brown from um, right here in Palm Harbor, Florida. And when I read this letter, <laughs> Jesus, I, I thought Steve had written it and like you were screwing with me and I could like rearrange the letters of Martin C. Brown and it spells like F.U. Daily or something. <laughs> but anyway, this is this is your brother from another mother. Um would
1: you like to read this? I'd love to read it. Are you ready? I have had it, my friend. Mr. Spears and Company.
0: Mr. Spears and co- All right. I, I, I got to stop you right there. Mr. Spears and Company? And, and Company? Ampersand CO, period?
1: Evidently, I've been incorporated. Unbelievable. Go on. Mr. Spears
0: and Company? Go Who pu- is this guy?
1: I'm going public next month, actually. You ready? <laughs> and so Martin writes this. I sit here late on a Saturday night, early Sunday morning, feeling as low as the ending of The Last American Virgin. Locked into my 40s, stuck in the 80s, when did life become about what everyone else wanted? Parents we love with health issues. Kids we love with life issues. Working for people whose idea of fun is golfing and passive-aggressively tormenting their underlings. What is a post-Hughesian to do? I have tried to set my wonderful wife up with a summer of 80s flashback concerts to lighten the mood. The psychedelics fell through, and the fix in Orlando was a no go f- due to family issues. We still have choice seats, though, to Crowded House and Tears for Fears. You guys should sit next to each other. Yeah, I'm. Wipe Bobby. each other's tears. I'm Bobby at both shows. Martin continues I guess I'm looking for a kindred spirit to commiserate with for a moment. Obviously, I don't know you all from Bender, but my wife turned me on to the podcasts. She's a faithful listener. I've enjoyed a lot of them, especially the John Hughes Memorial. Man, his death bit. Well, yes, it did did bite. That's That's a great tweet right there. As an inspiring writer who felt Jake Briggs was a kindred cinematic spirit, losing Hughes was the beginning of a pretty bogus year. I spent that afternoon in my shades by the pool, listening to a loop of Hughes movie songs on my faux iPod, sipping the last six of old style as my kids looked out in the window in disgust. His passing was a real pisser. It sucked and it still sucks hard. Ah, well, no worries. I will continue doing what any suburban husband and the dutiful father does. Get the day done right and spend the late night reveling in the past, soaking in its glories and striving to pen the next great 80s s classic. Trying to move forward and trying not to miss anything. Martin C. Brown, Palm Harbor, Florida. You guys should live together.
0: <laughs> Do you need a roommate? Oh, no. Wow. Well, that's a, a pretty intense. I mean, a very, very moving, touching letter. Well written. Um, he says he's an aspiring writer. I'd say he's a writer. It's really well done, but very maudlin, very sad. Yeah. But you know, there's a great chunk of our audience who are are very Spearsian in nature, and uh, they are drawn to your 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 weak, snuffed <laughs> out flame. <laughs> You know, as as fellow, um, you know, stuck in the eighties, so I so I'm sure you feel great compassion for Martin C. Brown. Yep,
1: I do. Hope we I hope we get a chance to meet him at uh, Tears for Fears Crowdhouse. House. I, I think I'll see him from across the room, but like like a, like a movie where you look across and you just see that one person looking back. Yes, at you. yeah. We'll kind of do like that that nod, you know. The nod. You'll stroke your uh, your, yes. your faux beards. <laughs> yeah. That's a good letter. Yep. I'm glad you read that. It's not easy to read
0: the letters, is it?
1: No, especially when I have to like, keep taking a break to sob. I know, anyway. I know. All right, let's, let's continue. Let's try to uh, pep things up a bit.
0: What's
3: happening, hot stuff?
1: Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for a mystery movie moment. Come on, give me some hilarity, dearly. I need to, come on, come on. What? I'm Mr. Hilarious. The, the people don't want hilarity, baby. They want kindred spirits like Eeyore over there. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. There's a reason why I live with a cat. Let's just say that Nick the cat,
0: man, that I gotta give you credit, okay? <laughs> Nick the cat was a master stroke. You've never been so popular as since you got that that cat that wears a bandana, like he's said, like a uh, cowboy cat, <laughs> like he's fighting cats on the OK corral.
1: You were over at the lair the other night. Daily comes over because we're gonna go see the Scorpions, right? We had a good yeah. time doing that, and uh, so you come in. And uh, Daly pops his head into the lair. He's like, "Give me a piece of paper. I've got an idea for uh, for our story." And so he's writing down. Nick just comes right up at, at you. Yeah, just jumps in your face. He's like, just the look at terror on your face. That's
0: not even true. I grew up with a cat and a dog. I like your cat. I'm just saying that the cat you put pictures of a, a, a stupid cat shit <laughs> on Facebook and it lights up. You got like thirty. Oh, the cat <laughs> really? Is that all it takes? That's all it takes.
1: Get a cat daily. F*** that.
0: Sorry, <laughs> I'm not getting a cat. I don't like, I, you know, I have this really like OCD aversion to like hair in my food, and cat hair is like coarse. And <laughs> I'm really making myself <laughs> nauseous just thinking about it. I'm never uh, going to eat a little smoky. You know, when you made the little smokies, Nick the cat was like in there like licking them. And no, you're like, he ah. wasn't. It's just a little cat saliva. I've he never heard anyone. He was not.
1: Yeah, he was. Oh, was he
0: Do really- your damn mystery movie moment.
1: Pay attention, here was last week's mystery clip. What do you want?
0: Job. we what? Driving.
3: Driving what? Big black limousine. Woo! Baby!
1: Yeah, that's my favorite girlfriend, Deborah Foreman and My Chauffeur. I thought My Chauffeur, was, she was the chauffeur, right? Yeah, one of many. I thought
0: Sybil Danning was it. What movie? Man, that's My tutor.
1: Sybil yeah, Danning? Yeah, my t- yeah, I like that Sybil Danning. Gotta love those early 80s movies. Anything that starts with my.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had two winners this week. Ooh, and they're superstars. Tor Hansen and Candace Halfacre.
1: Candace, Candace Halfacre. Hey, you know, someone who actually got this right last week, um, or the, the one the week before someone got it right, and they were so upset because I guess they submitted it after we'd already recorded the oh. show. So there's um, a little man by the name of Doc Hamilton who would <gasps> love to have you sing his name.
0: Hmm. I need the right song for that. Let me think on that. Let's let's continue.
1: Play next week. So I'll think on the Doc Hamilton okay, song. Okay. Here we go. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip.
3: Applause! Applause! Applause!
1: If you know it, email us at stuckinthe80s at tampa bay dot com, and then tune in next week to find out if you're a little smoky. Ah, the mystical refrain of name that 80s tune. Hey, I'll play a snippet of a song from the 80s. and If you can get it right, Sean Daly is going to sing your name, too. Just like he's going to sing Doc Hamilton's. <laughs> Come on.
0: Doc Hamilton. Doc Hamilton. What's that from? I think, I think that's, that's the in search of theme. That's what we're about to
1: talk about. <laughs> yeah,
0: Doc Hamilton.
1: Yeah, okay, go ahead. Last week, we had an epic challenge. Epic. Because basically, it was Daly singing.
0: Yeah. And here's, here's last week's clip.
1: I think that was it, right? (laughs) Yes, that is. um, We think.
0: (laughs) What is that?
1: We think it's. Still don't know. (laughs) People think that it's the theme to ET. So here is what we think it is. Okay, I guess it sounds like that. I don't know. Uh, name the fact the- is we
0: had winners. Lots of them. Who said a theme from E.T., we think. Uh, Andrew Sobati, A-Rod, Jesus Donkey again, John from San Diego, Citizen Buck, Zem Kimchi in Korea, and Jay Emmett. Other guesses included Carol Jansen and Michael Berg said it was the theme to In Search Of. Do you remember In Search Of? Yeah, sure. With Leonard Nimoy. Oh, man, I love that show. And that's the Doc Hamilton theme. Da Hamilton, ha Hamilton. <laughs> and we're going be about like Sasquatch and Leonard Nemo oh, would that just scared, scared, the, scared the, crap the hell out of, out of, out of yeah. you. Yeah, sometimes it'd be crappy, like in search of diamonds, and you'd be like, What? But then sometimes <laughs> it would be like, Yeah, the Yeti or Loch Ness Monster. And it was like, by that time that we saw them, they were pretty grainy, like we shot on really lousy film. Yeah, yeah. man, I would love to get in search of on the, like the box set of those. Wonder terrifying. Terrifying ghost. <laughs> Nimoy was so good. Anyway, and we had still more guesses. John Stolick said the name of that is Insanity by Sean Daly. So, uh, oh, and more. Todd in Minnesota says it's pure imagination from the classic Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But that would be. <laughs> See? Yeah, it's Very fun. subtle difference.
3: The Hamilton, Hamilton.
1: Uh, Ralph and Clearwater thought it was the Al Capone theme from The Untouchables. Ooh, really? Yeah. Know, wow. Yeah. And Kevin Wench says, okay, I know
0: this one. Sean and I have this song in the back of our heads because we both have young daughters that are influenced by the Disney media machine. The song is Prince Edward and Giselle's theme in Enchanted. Sean is humming Prince Edward's first lines. I've been looking for my true love's kiss. Uh, (laughs) No, I don't think that's it. The song is called True Love's Kiss. Enchanted is a solid family flick, and the song is actually quite good. If The Daily Mance is anything like The Wench Compound, or maybe Wench Sanctum, hmm, have to think on that. That movie has been on the background probably 25 to 50 times over the last couple years, so it's no surprise that the tune should be rolling around in Sean's subconscious. I know it is in mine. Indeed, we own Enchanted. We watch it all the time. Um, we like the part where all the, the, the cockroaches and rats come in and help her clean a toilet. Never saw it. No, you probably wouldn't. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's... Um... Yeah, it's not. No, I think I think we'll go with E.T. Yeah. And it's not the main E.T. theme. Uh, that's... Uh... <laughs> My head is swimming in themes right now. Wait, um...
1: <laughs>
0: right, let's move on. Let's move on. Is there another name that '80s tune? Do you yeah. want to you want to sing something this no, week? No,
1: no, it's, it's back to the old uh, grind. Pay attention. This will be a song that we will all hear in Las Vegas for Lost '80s Weekend. If you know it, emails at stucknaysattempe at Next week, Sean will uh, give you the special treatment.
3: Cheersies, it is Jesus Donkey from Oklahoma,
0: wishing you a happy
3: birthday, and that all your birthday wishes be filled with baloney boats and gin and fresca shared at a Pilates class with Debbie Foreman. Remember, it's 12 o'clock in Florida. It's 11 o'clock in Oklahoma. But we will forever be stuck in the 80s. And if you do not believe this is Jesus Donkey, remember Sean Daly, stop playing with yourself.
1: So what do you think about Cindy Lauper? Did our interview with her diminish her um, legacy, her importance to us uh, as 80s fans?
0: Um, You know, that's a really, really good question, Steve. I'm surprised you asked that. Uh, No, the um, whenever we talk to somebody, it always, you you know, you, you have this idea in your head of who somebody is. And then you talk to them and, it, you know, you can't help but either enhances how much you like them, you know. Uh, I had a prickly interview with Roger Daltrey from The Who, but I still love The Who, you know, and I'm not going to kick Cyndi Lauper's uh, songs off my iPod. I have Huey Lewis songs on my iPod. Now, when they come on, I leave them on and I sing, and I like Huey Lewis, but I always
1: think to the time that he said, I'm the worst music critic in America. You know, we've done like 40 interviews, maybe 45 interviews over the five years, and today, by the way, my friend, Mark's... The fifth anniversary of our very first podcast. Really? Um, it does. Happy anniversary. You've been here every step of the way. Yep. Um, but my question is, okay, so if you if I could give you two do-overs, two two ones that we've done that you'd like to go back and do again, who would they be? Oh well, Colin Hay, definitely. Colin Hay's a definite do-over. I just
0: I just think we were tired. He was tired, he was in the middle of the Sunset Strip, dodging traffic. I mean, I, I really like Colin a. Hay, and I th- I've heard that he's a great interview, and we didn't get that from
1: him, so I'd like to do that do-over. What's one of yours? Wow. Um, not Tom Wopat. I think I should have just passed on that one. one. On. Uh, not that it was, again... Oh, Molly not, Ringwald. Molly Ringwald comes to mind... If she were forthcoming.
0: If she were going to do a sit-down, like, an hour interview, and she'd know she's talking about her whole right. career...
1: When she was coming through before, she was trying to pitch Sweet Charity. She wasn't really trying to p- talk Breakfast Club. Um, one more. Um, they might be giants. Boy, that just—they they were surly that day. Didn't work. Yeah, you know they it's went. like you catch someone on a bad day, you catch them on a bad day. Everybody has bad days, but Colin Hay is definitely the one I do over. Yeah, we don't have bad days here at Stuck in Knees. Every day is a great day. <laughs> so, uh, Sean Daly and I are gonna go eat some birthday
0: cake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't. What's the main ET theme? Stop it.
0: You you torture yourself like this.
1: That's E.T. Right, but this is still from the movie, they say. They would know. I've never seen it. They're smart. They're smarter than I. He dies at the end, right? (laughs) Sorry. I tell that joke all the time. Go watch The Goonies
0: and go watch E.T. Come on. You're
1: telling me that's how I should spend the fifth anniversary of Stuck in the 80s watching those two turds?
0: Let's go get a drink. You want to? Let's go celebrate. Let's do that. In Sexy mean- Susie on me, baby.
1: Sounds perfect. In the meantime, Sean Daly, myself, maybe not so much Cindy Lauper, we remain here hopelessly Stuck in the 80s.
0: Duck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg
1: Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at TampaBay.com blogs 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the show at iTunes.